This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 107.5 FM, Unholstered. Welcome back to another episode of Unholstered. Glad you can hang out with us here on your weekend. Hope you're having a good one. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I'm just one of your hosts here on Unholstered. I uh, host this program alongside Sophia. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Catina. I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and welcome to the show Unholstered. If you are living under a rock and you've never heard of this program or you've never listened to us before, um, this show is all about your your local media, which is me, uh, teaming up with our local police department, which is obviously Sophia, to share and tell all of the stories that just don't often get told when it comes to law enforcement. I say it almost every week, Sophia. I'm going to say it again. No topic is off limits. And I think that uh, that phrase works perfectly for what we're talking about today. I know we have discussed fentanyl before here on this show. In fact, if you've missed any previous programs that we've had here, you can download the Unholstered podcast anywhere you can download a podcast. Um, But Sophia, I wanted to talk about fentanyl again, because first of all, it always pops up in the news constantly. In fact, one of the most um, recent headlines that I I saw come across my desk was the fact that the DEA is warning law enforcement right now to prepare for a surge in mass overdose deaths from fentanyl. And so that's kind of what sparked my intrigue to have this conversation again. And in fact, when I talked about that story on the radio program that I host here during the week, so many people came at me with, well, what's fentanyl? Yeah, I can't believe it that this day and age, people just don't know what it is. And I I don't know what to equate that to because we've been talking about it here. Obviously, they're not listening to this awesome show. Clearly, clearly yeah, yeah. that's the problem. So more, we can get more people on board to listen. But, you know, this isn't the everyday news if you're paying attention, especially for the police department here. We are, you know, constantly uh, driving this message. Uh, it, it's it's a huge problem here in our area, and like I've said before on all the other shows, there's no political, no socioeconomic, no no status that you can have that would that prevent no, this from infiltrating your life. Yeah. And if you don't think your kids know what this is and aren't flirting around with this, then you just are not facing reality because it's out there. Our kids are in danger. This is the leading cause of deaths for 18 to 45 year olds. Wow. In our country today. And it has been since 2019. So even through then, COVID even through and COVID, all these, okay, even worse. through COVID, COVID in air quotes, COVID made it worse. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it exacerbated a lot of mental health issues, people coping mechanisms. This is an easy drug; it's a cheap drug, and it's being brought over our border, <clears throat> our border from the Mexican cartel, from China. So this. I, and I will say this: I I believe in my whole heart that this is biological warfare. Yeah, I do too. I'm right there with you. We've you, I know you and I have had that conversation. Yes, we have. Off air, and but we are I'm not going to like skirt page. around the issue of this. Yeah. I, I'll just call it what it is. This I is what it is. That. So, who did you bring in to educate us further? Since there again, clearly, is so many. There's so many folks out there that still don't know what fentanyl is. Right, and we'll get into the nitty gritty of this and kind of break it down for people so they have a little better understanding. But today, I brought a detective from our vice narcotics unit, and I will let him introduce himself. My name is uh, Mark Gerardo, and I am a uniformed detective at this time with uh, Fort Wayne Vice Narcotics. Uh, and I was undercover for a long time, and now I work uniform, and um, I'm pretty uh, deep into this fentanyl epidemic right now. So you're definitely the man to talk to when He's it comes. He's the one in the know. Yeah, when it comes to this topic, can you can you kind of start out simple here for us, Mark, and let's let's just break it down from from for example, a listener that I've heard from that says, "Hey, KB, what is fentanyl? I've never heard of this drug. Can you answer that question for us?" Sure. So uh, if you go back to the '90s, 
backing it up a little bit. Around 92, uh, Big Pharma came out. This was Purdue Pharma, the Sackler family, and they introduced a very powerful drug called Oxycontin. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what Oxycontins are. It's a legitimate drug. They use it for pain management. Uh, and we started the epidemic there of this opiate epidemic. That's where it all started. Uh, once uh, the illicit drug manufacturers figured out that people really loved opiates, and it was one, probably one of the most powerful addictions you can have in the drug market next to meth, they're about equal, hmm. uh, we end up in this synthetic drug world. And the first thing that really hit us from China was spice or synthetic marijuana is what they called it in the beginning. But as time went by, the synthetic marijuana started more resembling an opioid and we start having overdoses. And probably one of the last um, spice overdoses that I went to, it looks like weed. They put it on potpourri. It's a chemical. They smoke it. Then we made it illegal because it was causing mm-hmm. all these addictive problems. Weren't people like crazy hallucinations? Yeah, and yeah. Like it caused all sorts it. of problems. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of problems. For us. And still does uh, mm-hmm. with certain communities uh, are still partial to it as a drug. But I actually Narcaned a girl one time and she was high on spice and overdosed and blacked out, and the Narcan brought her back. So that's how huh. I started to see the synthetic opioid changing, and then all of a sudden, fentanyl. And then when fentanyl, synthetic fentanyl got dropped on us, it started out as uh, a mixer with heroin. So your drug cartels were getting kilos from China. It would be about $2,500 for a kilo of pure fentanyl. A kilo of heroin at the time could go as high as $70,000 in our market. Whoa. So heroin is very difficult, not difficult, but it's it's very intensive, labor intensive to produce a kilo of heroin. You got it comes from the poppy plant. It's an opioid. Mm-hmm. Fentanyl, so you know, is just another opioid, but it's a synthetic one. So originally when you have morphine, then spawned heroin, now fentanyl. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. As a list. So for your listeners, opioid is an opioid is an opioid with different levels of strength. Fentanyl is a hundred times more powerful than morphine. I've heard it put like this, and hopefully you can uh, really break this down further. I've heard it put that if you walk over to the salt shaker in your kitchen right now and you try to just pour out two grains of salt, that's all it would take in terms of fentanyl to kill you. Is that a a good analogy? Is that true? It is. It takes a very small amount of... um pure fentanyl to stop your heart. And it all depends on what is your tolerance. Just like an alcoholic, you can develop a pretty high tolerance to opioids. But our biggest problem, if you really want to get into it, is is who's producing your fentanyl. Well, and that's where I kind of want to kick this off because Sophia said it. You said it multiple times right there, Mark, uh, talking about what fentanyl is. You keep saying the words from China, from China, from China. Like I said, Sophia and I have had multiple conversations about this. Sophia, I know that you and I are on the same page, but there's a lot of people, Mark, that would take you to task and say it's not coming from China. Um, Can you explain how we know that it is? Yeah, well, without getting too deep into politics, the DEA went to President Trump, and he was the first president actually addressed it. Uh, he actually went to China, had a meeting with them, because there are supposedly five families in the same region. They produce all illicit, and I say all, illicit fentanyl that is produced all over the world. Where it's sent, it all comes from China. Nobody else makes mm-hmm. it. So we know that it comes from these families, and they're constantly changing the formula for it. And they're coming up with new ones. So, But it is coming from China through Mexico. And back to my story, what I was going to explain to you is the reason why it really took off here is we had, we've always had heroin users. Like, you know, it goes way back with heroin. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they started cutting the heroin, the Mexican drug cartels, with fentanyl because I could take one $70,000 kilo of heroin, mix $2,500 of 
fentanyl with it, and now I've got three $70,000 kilos instead of one. And now it used to be when I would talk to, and I like to, I like to talk to all my overdose patients if I can. Like whenever they send me to one, I just, hey, how'd you get here? What happened with you? And how do I get you help? Like that's my goal in narcotics right now is how do I help the users? How do I bust the dealers? So every last one of them in the beginning thought they were just using heroin. So a lot of times people don't know that they're even using fentanyl. They do now. They didn't before. Okay. They actually now, your your opiate addicts now, they don't want heroin. They just want fentanyl. Gotcha. Because fentanyl is, it's about, it's cheaper, probably about, right? it, it's cheaper and it's more powerful. And now they're making these little pills. They're called M30 pills. They look like a Percocet. And they're easier to transport, carry, get across the border. And everybody loves them. They're portable. Instead of a powder that gets messy and goes all over, they're already bound together. And you can do whatever you want. You can swallow them. You can chop them up, put them in water, heat them up, shoot them in your veins. You can take this fentanyl pretty much any way you want. Snort it. And uh, it's just easier to use than a fine powder that you're carrying around in a bag. Yeah, so story after story, as I've read, you know, getting prepared for the show, it's like every story I read, it's like people didn't know that fentanyl was in their drugs. They just didn't know Mm because it's hidden. How would you know? And are you trusting someone who's your dealer who wants to keep you coming back? Right. You know, and and sometimes the dealers probably don't know because these things are being cut before they get them. And, you know, but they want their repeat customer. And it's it's a very it's a very powerful addiction. This is why I think it's so important. Mom and dad, grandparents know what fentanyl is, because there's a lot of times. Right, Mark, I'm sure you see this. That just kiddos who are maybe experimenting with marijuana or, hey, their friends have some uh, Percocet, wh- whatever, and they're they're smoking it or popping it, whatever they're doing, when in all reality it could be laced with or made from fentanyl, right? Sure. So here, here you're, you're almost there. This is what Sophia was saying. This is the real danger. And we've had kids in high school and middle school now Jeez, starting um, 12, 13 years old. I think we had a 13-year-old uh, took one at school, went home and died. So... What happens is, is we have this... Here pil- in Allen County, in yes, Fort Wayne? Fort Wayne Community Schools. Holy cow. So we have um, this issue where there are kids who they don't know their fentanyl in them. So when I'm telling you that these pills are being pressed, they look like a legitimate pharmaceutical drug. Like, they look like a Xanax. They look like a Percocet. So what happens is, with my kids in school, is their buddy comes to school with the fakes that are full of fentanyl, and they say, oh yeah, I stole this from my grandma's medicine cabinet, or I got it, and they make it sound legit. Well, there's no quality control in these, so you could have a tiny bit of fentanyl, or it could be all fentanyl. So you don't know, even if you have an addiction to it, you don't even know what you're getting because there's quality control. But for these kids, they're just seeing a pill that looks like something that came from a pharmaceutical company, and they're assuming that there was some kind of quality control, and there's not. And uh, fentanyl is no joke. I'm just telling you, fentanyl is no joke. I have been to overdoses with people who have very high tolerances to opiates, where they inject one of these pills, they liquefy it, you know, and they shoot it, and they're dead or unconscious, turning blue, dying, Almost as soon as the needle hits their vein and they push it into their body, they'll be laying there with a phone cord wrapped around their arm, the needle still hanging out, and I'm Narcanning them. So these pills, this is like not a joke anymore. Like when I was in high school, people smoked weed. They might have done some mushrooms. But these drugs, nobody was dying from marijuana or mushrooms. And that's the other thing now we can get into that, too, is we are finding fentanyl, illicit fentanyl, in everything. We're finding it in cocaine. We're finding it in heroin. We're even finding it in marijuana. Any of these THC cartridges that they're using now, like, you know, the vape cartridges, we're finding fentanyl in pretty much any other drug that you use. Not all the time, but once in a while, we'll find it just in regular old marijuana. It's in there. And it just takes one time. 
One pill. One pill that your kid pops anywhere they are, anywhere they're not in your direct line of view, they could be popping a pill. How do you educate your kiddos about this? I never say, don't ever say it. Say it and repeat it often. Kids are going to do what they do. They make impulsive choices. That Their brains are not fully aware. They're not fully um, capable of making those decisions. Like as adults, you know, we don't always make the best decisions. We, you know, we can be impulsive as well. But kids are even worse because their teenage brains are just not formed. So I always say, say it often. Um, I tell my kids every time they leave the house, don't take a pill that I didn't give you. Um, And for anyone taking a pill, if it didn't come from a pharmacy or your own doctor, don't take it, period. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's equally good advice for adults. Yeah, I I have always believed, too. I'm with Sophia. Uh, I'm in the trenches, so to speak, with this, like every day. Uh, Being straightforward and honest, instead of like trying to skirt our way around it, this I think historically we've tried to do that because we don't want to say there's a problem in our school. Our kids don't do drugs in school, and it's a lie. And we need to just come out and tell them. And the biggest problem was in the beginning of all this, and this is just like a couple years ago, it was more like an ambush than a choice. So they would take this pill thinking it came from a pharmacy, that it had quality control, and they're taking fentanyl. They didn't even know that you could die from this stuff. And I've got pictures when I do do some opiate talks around the state. Uh, I show people their doctors cannot tell the difference between these fake press pills and the actual real pill. They don't. They couldn't tell the difference. So then, Mark, when it gets into your hands, uh, whether it's a drug bust or, or whether you're on an overdose case or, or what have you, how do you then make the determination that it is, in fact, fentanyl? So we know just by trends right now, if we see any of these, they're called M30s. Okay. And they're, they're a little, small, round, blue pill, and they have the markings on them, M on and a 30. And that looks exactly like one of the designations for a real Percocet. Those were like the popular ones. If you Google it and look it up, you'll see the Border Patrol and DEA and local law enforcement recovering tens or hundreds of thousands of these pills coming across the border. Like le- like they just had a bust in California. They said the lady had enough fentanyl in her house that could kill like two million people. And that's not a joke. That's not even exaggerated. This is Holy this cow. is so powerful. This drug is it doesn't take much to do a lot of damage. So we tell we pretty much treat all pills that we get as though they're illicit fentanyl. And then we test them. And we have some instruments in our office that we can use uh, some pretty expensive drug testing instruments. And then anything that we can't figure out, we send to the state police lab and then they'll determine it for like us. That, like what is this like you, you drop the little pill into a, a liquid and if it turns blue, it's fentanyl. I mean, how does that work? So so fentanyl. You can tell I've watched a lot of like cop shows, <laughs> yeah, right? Like CSI. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we had the, the fancy $2 billion scanner that you just throw it in there and it tells the you everything. The CSI has. Yeah. yeah. The CSI has. And I don't even know that those are real. I'm um, sure they're not. But uh, we do have an instrument we bought with a grant. It's about a, It was probably about $110,000. It's called a GC mass spec. Okay. And for the non-chemist, I'm a chemist by nature, biology and chemistry. I did biochem research wow. for Purdue for three and a half years. So the science behind it is basically it's pretty neat. Once I separate out the components, like the pill binder that holds it together like a pill, uh, we do a little bit of chemistry up front. We get it to dissolve in a, another chemical, and then we shoot it with a needle into this GC mass spec, and then it looks at it at an atomic level all the way down to the atoms, and then it can okay, tell us. Okay, that is kind of CSI. <laughs> it is, kind of it is a little yeah. CSI, <laughs> yeah. and uh, then it, it'll spit out, and it'll tell us that there's fentanyl in there, and sometimes it'll even tell us what isomer. So, like, fentanyl can come in several forms, and because they keep changing the chemistry, it's still fentanyl, 
but it might look a little bit different. Sort of like I can own a BMW or I can own a Mercedes. They're still cars. They yeah, just look a little different, right? Look different. I yeah. kind of want to go back to that chemistry that you mentioned, uh, back to China and these particular families that are producing fentanyl specifically. And I hope maybe you can help provide a little bit of clarity to this as well. I've talked about this a lot again on my program. And the big question I get, well, how, how are they able to do that in China? Why is that even legal? And correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times, again, these particular families in China, A, their laws are a lot different than ours. Uh, but B, can't they change those chemical compounds so they can kind of skirt the laws, if you will, loopholes? And that's kind of why they're always ever evolving and changing. So you're correct with that, On except for with the spice, they were doing that. In Indiana's laws, we looked at it from a chemical backbone or carbon chain backbone chemistry way. What does this structure look like to a T? So in other words, back to my car analogy, it's a BMW because it has this emblem and these cars and this motor. Well, the Chinese would just change it just by a little right. bit with chemistry. They, they throw a different chemical group onto the main thing. It still gets you high and do all these things, but it was a little bit different. We were having trouble with that. They just changed the paint color. Yeah, they they changed the, paint color. the law couldn't keep up. Yeah. So the law it was could not use right. So what they did with fentanyl, the difference is, is fentanyl, you can only change it so much. Okay. Fentanyl is still fentanyl. Even when I change its chemical structure, they still try to do that. But we're pretty good at finding the fentanyl in it. Even more terrifying. I'm hoping maybe you can educate us on this as well. This is really new to me, Mark. But even more terrifying is this new drug that's out that's allegedly 20 times stronger than fentanyl. So let me refresh listeners by going back to that salt shaker here, and you're pouring out like two grains of salt, if you could even do that. Sure. That's enough of fentanyl to kill you. This being 20 times stronger than that. And Mark, I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't even know how to pronounce the name of this drug. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> even with my background, some reason it does not flow well. I don't know who named it, uh, but it's... Uh, it, it, it's Give it your it's best shot. So it's called, it's isotonatazine. Isotonatazine. Yeah. Okay. Say so that five times. I, so fast. it's a long one. So basically, what and they call it ISO is, okay. the, is the street name for it. Obviously, I mean, if, if you're on drugs, you're not going to be able to say isotonatazine. That's true. So you're. Gonna, I don't even you know if you can say, pop out you ISO. Just say it sober. So you just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you just say uh, ISO. But ISO, uh, the history of it is, is back in 1953, there was another one. I can't remember the name. It was pretty close. It begins with an E. Uh, I can't remember, but it was a legitimate analgesic. In other words, it was a drug that helped you like for pain management. Uh, and this is now made by China. Oh, it's a derivative of that original drug that was a legit drug, but it was very powerful. And not to completely correct you, but you said it's 20 times. They think it's between 20 and 100 times, Holy depending smokes. on what version of it you're getting. And uh, it came out, I think they first started seeing it in 2019, basically all around us. So I know they found it, uh, I think it was in Iowa, Illinois, Michigan, Kentucky, and Florida has it right now, and Florida's seeing, I think, quite a bit of it. Don't we, quote so me on that, but I think you, there's a lot more in Florida. You did not say Indiana, so we haven't seen it here yet. I haven't talked to the state police lab lately, but I have not seen it. But it will come across the same way as the other. It'll be pressed in a pill. Jeez. It'll, be, it'll look like something else, like a legitimate drug, and that's how we're seeing it in these other places. Um, but it can be, I believe it can be a white or a, uh, I think, a pink or orangish powder. That's the that's the three ways. It'll come in a pill or it can be a white powder or a, like a pinkish orange powder. And this is that same concept where it's manufactured in China, smuggled along the southern border through Mexico. Correct. If we could wave a magic wand, Mark, Sophia, I'll open it up to both of you. You're the pros here. Is it even possible to, to wave a magic wand and and remedy this epidemic? 
Well, I think this is going to have to come from the federal government first. Um, our borders need to be better secured. And God bless the Border Patrol. Yeah. I mean, they are – That is, this is an unwinnable task for them at this yeah. point. They're tired. There's such an influx of people coming across unvetted, unrestrained. I, I don't – I don't know what the fix is, but there has to be something that we can do. And, you know, I mean, obviously this is a political issue, and but but I stand with my brothers and sisters of law enforcement on that border, and I, and I know a few. I have a friends that work there, and they're tired. Um, they're, it would be the, discouraging to just... It's exact, yeah. That's exactly what it is. They're, they, they aren't able to do their jobs yeah. um, to what they're supposed to be doing, and I really feel bad for them. I You know, I... I don't know how that is because this community has been rallied around us through these past few years and they've supported us. They are very, while they're supported in their local areas, because I'm telling you the people are rallying around them down there, they don't feel the support from the upper yeah. upper administrations. I tell you what, I went to the border. I, I was uh, privileged enough to be able to travel down to the southern border with a congressional delegation in July of last year, so July 2021. And while we were there, now mind you, it's July 2021, and from the start of the year, according to Border Patrol agents, they had just seized enough fentanyl, so what's that, six, seven months into the year? That In that time frame, to kill every single American four times. Yes. And that was the amount of fentanyl that they had seized at that moment that they actually knew about. And that scared the pants off me because, again, it, it was the fentanyl that we knew about. And yeah. I, I find that staggering to think about the number of fentanyl that's out there that we don't know about and that we didn't seize. Correct. And what, you know, and what we're talking about with the southern border, because since we know the route of travel for this, uh, having having this. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, this, this is known. I mean, yeah, this, is, this is what's this so is, frustrating. This yeah. is not a secret. The government knows about this. Me and uh, you've had Nate Mullering on mm-hmm. your show before. Me and Nate are good friends. Uh, we talk about this a lot. And, you know. Beyond the politics of it, if we just care about our fellow human yes. being, if they yes. really cared about us, we would shut the border down on this alone. And here, here's a, I thought this was an interesting stat, and I believe it was in 2016, the DEA did a rough estimate of how much the four biggest drug cartels sell worldwide in narcotics. And it came out to about, I think, 7.2 or 7.3 trillion, with a T, Jeez. dollars in narcotic sales. Over 80% of it is to the United States. So we consume 80% of all the illicit narcotics that are coming out of Mexico. Okay, so now couple that. Uh, they just said, I think it was last year, what they're finding is we have more, they are making more on human trafficking than they do on drug sales bringing people across yeah. our border. The other problem is, is once they get them here, they owe for that service. So Mm -hmm. the people that can't afford to pay, if they're not being put into the sex slavery trade, they're being placed in America, and then they're being called upon to come back to the border, pick up drugs, and mule them all over the United States. we, we, are, we, we are just being overrun with this, which yeah. is evident by, I think, in two years ago, it was like over our, the CDC's got a stat. They say it's about, a, I think it's 100,138 people died of overdoses in 2020. Yeah. And so I have some stats just so our viewers understand the scope of this. So in 2019, there were 70,630 drug overdose deaths in the U.S. That went up 4% in 2020. 72.9% of those were from synthetic opioids. Jeez. All right. For our area here, um, since 2019, we've seen an upward trend. So in 2019, 829 non-fatal overdoses were reported with 144 deaths. 2020, 1,243 non-fatal overdoses with 145 deaths. 2021, 1,227 non-fatal overdoses and 173 deaths. 
this year through the end of March. We've had 202 wow. non-fatal overdoses, and we've had 21 deaths so far this year. This is a huge problem. And if, and if the deaths alone don't scare you, think about the resources that are going out. Because when these overdoses happen, and these are the ones we know about. These are the ones we know about. We, there's a, and I believe in Narcan. I believe people should carry it. I, as a law enforcement officer, I will debate you all day as on drugs and charging and addicts and all that stuff. But primarily, I want to save lives. Mm -hmm. That's my job. That's your job. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'll deal with your recovery later, but I want to keep you alive enough to get you there. Right. And Narcan helps with that. Anytime we can pass that out or, or extend that to another human being, I'm all for it. I think these numbers would be astronomically higher if we did not have people carrying Narcan all the time. Our, our own officers, almost every officer in our department carries Narcan. I have, a, I have some in my pouch right now. So these, these deaths would be way higher, these overdoses and things like that. You read through those, <clears throat> through those stats, Sophia, and I also just want to point to the fact, I, I also get asked a lot, you know, we're landlocked Indiana. Why do we care about the southern border? Why do we hmm. care, secure, uh, care about securing it? Why do we care about that issue here in Fort Wayne, Indiana? That is why. Yeah. Every single stat that you just read right here in our neck of the woods, that is why you need to care about our southern border. That's why you need to care about the drug epidemic. That's why you need to care about fentanyl. That's why. Yeah, and every state is a southern border. Amen. The, our own government is is busing people all over the United mm -hmm. States. Um, so... There's such an influx of people, and, and so we just don't know who they are. So, I mean, as law enforcement, you know, we, we've got to bring on more Spanish-speaking officers. Mm -hmm. I encourage people, if they speak Spanish, we need you here. Yeah. We need you in our community. But if you just look at this, at the amount of calls we go on for overdose, non-fatal overdose and overdose deaths, those all require police, fire, medical services, and they're ta we're taxed. Talk about resources, yeah. We're taxed, mm -hmm. and these all cost money. So if you don't care about what's happening on the border, care about what is happening in your own city and the taxes you pay to pay care for about this. Your tax dollars. So you know, there's all different levels of uh, to care about in this situation. But but honestly, human life is is the most important. To, to have a kind of a, um, a moment of levity, if you will, yes. because it is a heavy topic, <laughs> unfortunately. Is. Whether we like it or not, that's just the way it is. I kind of want to have another behind-the-scenes CSI moment, if we can. I'm sitting here, we're talking about all of this fentanyl that's seized, and now ISO, and just drugs in general. That is your job, Mark. Yeah. Uh, when officers do seize all of these drugs... You know, you have you, keep you know where I'm going. Where going. You know where I'm going with this. You know, and again, in our CSI shows, yes. you see all these drugs locked away in some warehouse looking environment. And there they sit um, until the case or what have you. But at the end of the day, what really happens to all the drugs? So uh, we have secure lockers that they So the locker thing is like real. The it warehouse is real. vibe so, is yeah, like real. And, and there, there's locations for it. They're not like in the movies. I mean, it's pretty doesn't look like some big vault, you know, <laughs> hidden in the ground. But we have evidence storage for all kinds of things, a murder weapon, things taken in burglaries, and drugs. They all go in the same place. And then once the cases have been adjudicated, mm -hmm. in other words, the court case is over, uh, some evidence has to be held for a certain amount of time, depending on the case. Like if it's drugs associated with a homicide, they might stay longer. But when it's time to get rid of them, 
they're disposed of and they're burned. They basically have a big incinerator. Can't tell you where. I don't want everybody standing around with their marshmallows out <laughs> while the weeds that burning up inside. That would be an inside. interesting marshmallow, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, making s'mores. You know, everybody's snacking and ready to go when the when the burners are going. But then they just incinerate them at a really, really high so you, heat level. You burn them. They just okay. burn up and then they're done. There's no residual effect coming because the incineration is so high. Yeah, the the, the temperature. It <laughs> so you know, oh. it's not going in the air. You're not going to stand around. Thousands of degrees. Get, you know? I, I've never I've never known that. I mean, we all kind of know that it gets seized, and we talk. About all these drugs being seized, but we never talk about like what happens, you know, after they're seized. Um, Mark, I feel like today has been so enlightening. Um, I'm scared to death to have my kid <laughs> enter enter school. She's only two right now, so we gotta, we're a long ways off. I'm sure there'll be some other ridiculous drug created by then. Um, but I think that's why what you're doing is so valuable and so important. Same with you, Sophia. Everything that you do every day and just sharing it here on the show. And I have a feeling this will not be our last fentanyl conversation. It won't. And sadly, or I sure. hope it would be. Or it shouldn't be until we start yeah. getting it fixed. It shouldn't yeah. be. You're right. Yeah. If you've missed any uh, previous episodes of Unholstered, which we have talked about fentanyl before, we've talked about the drug epidemic before as well, you can download any previous episodes of Unholstered anywhere you can download a podcast. It's your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.